Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. You know, it, it, I've been talking to pastors and several different ones over the course of time, and even some non-pastors, and it's kind of funny how you'll have some different camps that we, we close and we take, don't do service and so forth, and, and then there are some that was like, well, wh- where's our convictions? Why, why don't we just have church like we always do? Where's our convictions? And you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. It was almost like, my convictions are defined by my system. When the reality of it is, I believe our systems should be defined by our convictions. Here's what I know about my God. He can meet us in a group of a thousand, or he can meet us in a group of two. Here's what I know about my God. He's bigger than any system I have. And what my convictions tell me is I can tweak and change and move to any system, and my God shows up. You know, when they first came out with the recommendations of keeping groups to 250 or less, we said, okay, let's divide our service. Let's have two morning services. Man, did we have two powerful services that day. And then they come out and said, well, keep it to under 50, uh, groups of under 50. So then we said, okay, let's come up with a 50-person plan. And we did. And before the day ended, they come out and said, keep it to 10 or less. Okay, that was really a challenge. But then we came up with a 10-person and under plan. And then Governor Wolf on that Friday came up and said, well, we're going to close all non-essential businesses. So man, this is really testing us. And so from there, I said, well, okay. Guess what? We're going outside. We're going to have a drive-in service. And uh, man, it was so fun. It was so good. It was so, um, I had so many encouraging testimonies of people who were so happy to be able to get together and worship and be with their people. And uh, so let me say this again. My systems, my convictions are not defined by my systems. My systems will be combined by my convictions of who God is. We will adapt because of his unchanging nature. And so just throwing that out there for what it's worth. You know, in these times, I think we ought to have a lot of fun and laugh with each other. You know, many of you who are in the room today and watching online saw my post on Facebook last night, but let me tell it to you for those of you who didn't see it, because I just have to laugh at myself sometimes. So, So Eric and I yesterday morning said, let's go to Aldi's and pick up some stuff. So we go to Aldi's, it's my, Eric and I, I don't know that Eric and I have ever gone to groceries together. And so he's got the cart and he's pushing the cart. I actually like to push the cart, but I let him push the cart. And so we're going down the aisles and I'm kind of just, just ahead of him. And I'd like grab that, throw it in there and I grab that. Oh, I got to get these for Liam. He'll expect these in, the, in my side. So I throw that in there. And, throw that. and so we get down to the end of the aisle and turn the corner, turn the corner. Oh, there they are. I love those little things. There's a bag of hard salami. Yeah, I got that. So I grab the bag of hard salami and I whip it into the cart and I turn around and I look. <laughs> it wasn't our cart. It was another guy. <laughs> it was some other guy. And, and I'm like, whoops. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I laughed and he laughed and he took it up and he threw it back at me. <laughs> oh man, I laughed about that all day. You know, we need some laughter in these moments. I want to speak to you a message this morning. You can turn with me, if you've got a Bible somewhere, Acts chapter 2. Just going to read out two verses. Acts chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. This is Peter when he's preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he's preaching about Jesus of Nazareth. And he has a, a little paragraph there. And then, and then he says this, quoting from Psalm 16, which is King David. King David said, I saw the Lord always in my presence. For he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope. Well, what a great verse. Father, bless your time of the word this morning. Bless every church in this city, every church that's meeting online, every church that has to adapt their systems. Father, I ask you a blessing upon every church. I've asked you a financial blessing on every church that's struggling through these times. 
That, Father, you would pour out. And then, Father, today, we want to be vessels of hope. Fill us with hope through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this is an interesting portion of Scripture. David says, I saw the Lord. I love that phrase throughout Scripture. I want you to think of the times that that phrase was used in Scripture. Uh, Prophet Micaiah in in, uh, the book of Kings said what? I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right and on his left. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling his temple. Amos the prophet said, I saw the Lord standing beside the altar. Stephen, when he was being martyred, said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And then David says, I saw the Lord always in my presence. You know, think about that. David said, I saw him always in my presence. You, You know, when I fought the lion and the bear, I saw him. When I faced Goliath, I saw him. When I ran from Saul and had to hide from Saul, I saw him. When I hid among the enemy to hide from my enemy, I saw him. When I ran from my son, I saw him. When I was convicted of my sin with Bathsheba, I saw him. I saw him in my restoration. David said, I saw the Lord always in my presence. How many know our God is not a come and go God? How many know this morning that he is not a come and go God, but he's a God who wants to be in our presence always? You know, um, hope comes from his presence in my life. Hope comes from, listen to me, his desire to be in my life. You know, I don't have to beg him to be in my life, that he wants to be. I've got grandchildren that I love being with. They know nothing about social distancing. They have invaded every part of my house. I was in my office last evening. I hear them outside of my office, and I'm wondering, what are they doing? They're in the craft room, and I'm wondering, what are they doing out there? They're no, but I didn't go out to see. Then finally, they yelled, said, Pappy, it's time for supper. So I opened the door, and they had every bin they could find stacked up in front of my office door, and they had things tied here and things tied there, and then there was a note, Pappy, we trapped you, T-R-A-P-T-E-D. Okay, <laughs> we trapped you. Like, I'm thinking, all right, it's not enough that I'm under isolation. Now you want to isolate me to our room. But they know nothing about this. I, but, but the thing is, they don't have to beg me to be in their presence. I want to be in their presence. We don't have to beg God to be in our life. He wants to be in our life. You see, hope comes from the abiding presence of God. Hope comes from the, the presence of the Lord. I believe it's incumbent upon us that in, especially in times of trial, in testing, in tribulation, in transition, that we've got to see the Lord, and we've got to see him where he is. You know, King Uzziah died. It rocked the nation. It rocked Isaiah. And in that time, he said, but I still see the Lord. There was a time of transition, and Micaiah said, I see the Lord. Think about this. In the year, in the, in the, year the coronavirus, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I still see the Lord. I see him. He's high and lifted up. He's still on his throne. You see, it's in this time we have to understand something. Dave said, I see him always. I saw the Lord, which means I saw him in the past. I see him in the present, and I expect to see him in the future. He's not, aren't you glad he's not, just not the God of the past? Aren't you glad he's just not the God of the present? But we know he's the God of the past, present, and future. And I want you to talk about this. So, so, so David says, I see him always. But I love the way he phrases it. I see him always in 
my presence. We often talk about how we want to, we, we got to get into the presence of the Lord. We got to get into the presence of the Lord. We, gotta, we, we make it almost like it's an exercise for us. When the reality is, God wants to be in our presence. He wants to be among his people. He, he, he had the Old Testament saints build a tabernacle so he could have his dwelling among men. He sent Jesus so Jesus, so God could tabernacle among men. God has always desired to be in our presence. And so this morning, if you hear nothing else, hear this. Stop striving to get into his presence and recognize his presence in your presence. He's already there. And here's what I know. That his presence helps me. Right? Remember what David said in Psalm 42? He said, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. An ever-present help in time of trouble. So, so this morning when we think about this, his presence in my life is something that helps me. His presence comforts me. How many of you have been at some unrest during some of this? You know, uh, I talked to some people and they don't know what's going to happen with their job. They don't know what's going to happen with their income. And some of them are worried about loved ones and, and, and on and on. There's some unrest, if you will. Some discomfort. And yet David penned those famous words that we know so well. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, I live in hope today because Christ lives in me. I live in hope because Christ is in my life. Hope is present in my life today because Jesus is present in my life. There I go, making a mess again. Think about this. Now, I want to take you through this for a few moments. So David says, I see, I saw the Lord always. Man, get that word, always. Listen. He's not only in your life when things are good. He's in your life when things are good. He's in your life when things are mediocre. He's in your life when things are bad. He is in your life. For seven years I have walked with the death of a son and God has been a part of my life every day of the week. And every day of the week he gives me his joy. It's not mine, he gives it to me and he says, here, take this, you need it, it'll be your strength. And I can't say, look what I did. No, he just gave it to me. Because his presence helps me. And David says, and I saw him always. And then he says, for he is at my right hand. Hmm. He is at my right hand. You look through scripture, the, the right hand is the seat of honor. The right hand, and many times when you were sat to the right hand side of the king, that was a seat of honor for you. It was a seat of authority. It was a seat of power. It was a seat of protection. It was a, it was a seat of blessing. And David says, I see him, for he is at my right hand. Hmm. I want to take you through some scriptures about some men of the Bible that you're very well known about. Moses. What's the scripture say about Moses in this? Isaiah 63 says that who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name. The Bible tells us that God was at the right hand of Moses and took him by the right hand. And then there's a guy we find in the book of Isaiah. His name was Cyrus. Prophesied about even before he was born. What a cool thing. It says, thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed. Let me remind you, Cyrus was a Persian king. 
He, he, he says, my anointed Cyrus, whom I have taken by the right hand to subdue nations and to loose the loins of kings, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. King Cyrus taken by the right hand of God. And then David was taken at the right hand of God. Remember, remember the scripture, uh, the psalm says, I have found David my servant. My holy oil I have anointed him. With whom my hand he will be established. And my arm will strengthen him. You see, the amazing thing is, David understood something. The power and might I have is because God is at my right hand. Cyrus was anointed by God, and God took him by his right hand so he could subdue nations and open doors and close doors. You see, I think it's understand something this morning, that God wants to take us by the hand, that God wants to take us by the right hand, all right? The right hand was that power. And so listen to me this morning. When God takes me by the hand, how many know I now have a hand of authority? When God takes me by the hand, I now have a hand of power and might. When God takes me by the hand, I now have a hand of protection. When he takes me by the hand, it's a hand of blessing. You see, here's what I understand. I've come to realize that what his hand is, my hand becomes. What his hand is, my hand becomes. Because he takes me by the hand. You take a child by the hand when you want to protect. You take a child by the hand when you want to lead. You take a child by the hand when you want to let. How many times I've walked hand in hand with my grandkids and I take them by the hand and we walk and they have a hand of protection in theirs. They've got a hand of blessing in theirs. They've got a hand of authority in theirs. Their hand, their hand goes where my hand goes, that I lead them. Listen to me this morning. God is still at our right hand. God still wants to be that one who takes you by the hand and leads you. And I promise you this, that what his hand is, your hand becomes. Because of his presence. Listen to me. So watch this. So this is what David says. I saw the Lord always in my presence. <laughs> always. I saw him with a lion. I saw him with a bear. I saw him with Goliath. I saw him against Saul. I saw him when I sinned. I saw him always in my presence. And his, for he is at my right hand. So that I shall not be shaken. <laughs> so that I shall not be shaken. You see, because of his presence and because of his power and because of his, because of his hand upon my hand, here's what the Bible says to me, that one, my feet are anchored. You know, we're living in some shifting times. You know, we're living in the winds are blowing and the waves are blowing and, and you know, there's some uncertainty in the air and there's some sickness in the air and there's some financial calamities in the air and there's all this uncertainty. And for some people, they're being blown around here and there. And yet the promise of scripture is because of his presence, because of his hand in my life, my feet are anchored. I shall not be shaken. That word literally means that word that, that says I shall not be shaken. It means the winds can't move me. The waves can't move me. It's like being tossed, trying to be tossed around in a storm. But my heart, what's what he says? My feet shall not be shaken. I shall not be shaken. But then he says, and my heart, and my heart was glad. <laughs> Therefore, my heart was glad. That word heart means the soul or the mind or, at, listen to me, it is the fountain and the seat of my thoughts, my passions, my desires, my appetites, my affections, and my purposes. My heart is the seat it is the seat of my thoughts and my passions and my desires and my affections. 
And yet, David said what? And my heart was glad. He hit me. Now my heart. See, because his hand is with me, because his presence is in my life, my heart becomes a fountain of gladness that fuels the rest of my being. That my heart becomes a fountain of rejoicing, a fountain of gladness that then fuels my thoughts and it fuels my passions and it fuels my appetites and it fuels my affections. That now it is governed by his presence. My heart is now not operating by the deceit that it's so commonly known for because his presence and his power in my life takes hold of this heart, the seat of my affections. It makes it a fountain of gladness. Now my reactions to this are not based upon a heart that despairs. It's not based upon a heart that is broken. It's not based upon a heart that is in upheaval. No, 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 no. It's based upon a heart that has been grounded in and founded in and fueled by the presence of God that now it fuels the rest of me. Now my passions, now my appetites, now my affections, they're not contaminated because they're being fueled by the fountain of my heart. David said, because of his hand upon me, because of his presence, because of his hand, my tongue shall exalt. Love this one. My tongue becomes an instrument of exceeding joy. That's what it literally means. That when you look up the word exalt, that word exalt actually means rejoicing, exceeding rejoicing, overabundantly rejoicing, being silly, goofy, rejoicing. How many of you have ever been so tired you were silly? Right? I, 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 again, a lot of my life goes back to grandkids. I'm sorry, deal with it. Okay? When you get to be a grandparent, you can do the same thing. Until then, it's our prerogative. Right? We have done nothing but play a whole bunch of dominoes this week. Mexican trained dominoes. And my little six and a half year old does not like losing, I can tell you that. But she was so tired the other night. She's just sitting in her chair and she could not have been goofier. Yes, she was goofier than even me. But she could not have been goofier, more giddy, more silly. And it was so funny because she was so tired. She was absolutely silly. You see, this is what David says, my tongue, my tongue is going to be an instrument of exceeding joy, over-the-top joy. It's going to be silly joyful, all right? I want you to think about this. That tongue means a, 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 an organ of speech. It also means a language or a dialect used by a particular people distinct from that of other nations. If there's ever a time that the people of God should be distinct from the people of the world who don't know Christ, it is in this hour where our tongue is an instrument of rejoicing. Our tongue is an instrument of exceeding joy because we know who our God is. Because his presence is in our life. Because his presence was with us. His hand empowers me. And my feet are anchored. And my heart is, a, is fueling gladness in my life. And now this tongue... This tongue with which I can speak death so easily, this tongue with which I can speak faithlessness so easily, this tongue which I can speak hopelessness so easily, no, 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 no. Because of who my God is, because of his power in my life, it's now an instrument that's going to send a sound that's different from that around you. Come on. We often talk about being good Pentecostals, and we often talk about the gift of tongues. Praise God for the gift of tongues. But I want to tell you something. We still need to be set apart by the gift of tongues, but a tongue that's rejoicing exceedingly over and above and beyond. Man, 
He says, my tongue, that, this thing, this thing's going to become an instrument. It can't sing, but it can produce a sound of joy. And I can do it with my fingers on Facebook. And I can do it on Twitter. And I can do it on Instagram. My tongue is an instrument of exceeding joy. And then David said this, and my flesh, more of my flesh, this flesh and blood that lives on the earth, it's going to live in hope. My flesh shall live in hope. Hmm. Live means to pitch a tent. Ugh, reminds me of camping. Why can't it be, why can't it be, it means to go to a hotel or a resort. (laughs) I'm going to tell you what. I went camping 18 years ago with Tim Lezinski and a whole gang of people from the church. We went along just to be with the gang, and we slept in Tim's tent. tent. He gave us a tent. My wife loves camping. We get camping in a tent. The next week, I went out and bought a camper. I ain't ever tamp- camp- I'm never going in a tent again. If you see me in a tent again, it will be a world catastrophe, and we have nowhere else to live. <laughs> it should say, to go to the resort. My flesh will live in hope. It means to pitch a tent, to fix one's abode, to dwell. See, because of his presence, I'm going to dwell, I'm going to pitch a tent in hope. What does hope mean? Hope means that expectation of good. That I have an expectation of good that is based upon who my God is. Therefore, David says, my flesh shall dwell while I will pitch a tent in the expectation of good. Come on. Because of his presence, I live a life expecting good even when things aren't good. Because of his presence in my life and his presence in my presence, I pitch a tent in hope. Because of his presence in my presence, I pitch a tent in expectation. You see, David was saying, I see the Lord always in my presence. No matter where I've been, he's been there. No matter where I am, he's there. No matter where I go, he'll be there. He's at my right hand. His hand is upon my right hand. He empowers me. And because of his presence, I will not be shaken. I shall not be moved. The wind and the waves. And my heart will be a fountain that fuels my senses and my thoughts and my affections. And my tongue will speak the language of joy. And my tongue will rejoice. It will speak of a tongue those without God may not even understand. And I'm going to pitch my tent in hope. I'm going to pitch my tent in the expectation of good. But see, let me transition for a moment. Stick with me just a few moments. I thought about this, and I thought about this living a life and pitching our tent in a place called hope. Pitching our tent in the expectation of good. You see, let me remind us today where we are. The Bible tells me Jesus after he went to the cross and after he was raised from the dead, the Bible told me he ascended to heaven. He sits now at the right hand of the Father, the seat of honor, the seat of intercession in our life, interceding for you and I. And the Bible tells me that when I come to Christ and give my heart to him, the Bible tells me the Holy Spirit dwells within me. The Holy Spirit takes residence inside of me, the believer. And see, and here's what I want you to understand. Because of that, like David, God's presence is always in my presence through the Holy Spirit, always. That, like David, God is at my right hand through the presence of the Holy Spirit. That, like David, what God's hand is, my hand becomes. 
You see, there's things that I've been able to do and there's things that I've been able to, to, to do in this world that have nothing to do with my ability and my, my power. It has to, everything to do with his hand upon me, his hand upon my hand, that, that his hand is what my hand becomes. Like David, my feet are anchored because of his presence. Like David, my heart is a fountain of gladness because of the Holy Spirit who dwells within me. Like David, my tongue becomes an instrument of exceeding joy, not because of the spirit of the world, but because the spirit I receive from God dwells within me. Like David, my flesh lives in hope, and I pitch my tent in the expectation of good. But see, through the Holy Spirit, we don't just pitch a tent of hope. And hear me, we don't just pitch a tent of hope. We are a tent of hope. We are a tent of hope. You say, what's the freak talking about now? Let me remind you what Paul said. Paul said this in Corinthians, for we know that if the earthly tent, this body, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be pleased with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we're in this tent, while we're in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we don't want to be unclothed, but be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. And now who prepared us for this moment is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. <laughs> Paul says, listen, while you're in this earth, you're living in a tent. This fleshly body is a tent. But here's what the Bible tells me, that inside of this fleshly body dwells the Spirit of God. And if the Spirit of God dwells within me, I don't just pitch my uh, a tent and hope. I am a tent of hope. I am filled with hope. I am filled with the Spirit of God. I am filled with joy. I am filled with peace. I am filled with patience and kindness and goodness. The fruit of the Spirit dwells within me. I am. I am a tent of hope. You see, because the house is always be defi is defined by who lives in the house. When you come to 209 Ivy Side Estates, you will find the Balzano Mercer clan. It's the house of Balzano. It's the house of Mercer. If I go to the Salyers, it's the house of Salyers, the house of Lezinski, the house of Bracken. It is the house. Listen to me this morning. You and I, brothers, we're, we're sisters, we are tents of hope because the Holy Spirit dwells with us, and I see his presence with me always, always, and his power is with me always. But see, the thing is, I've got to put him and allow him the seat of honor in my life, that he has the seat of honor. And I recognize him, and I hear him, and I allow him to take me by the hand. See, Paul said this. Paul said in Romans 15, was a prayer for the Romans. He said, now, may the God of hope hmm, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope. That word abound means super exceedingly, over and above, that you would be super exceeding in hope by, listen to this, by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power, by the might, by the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give it to you what I call the, the P. Jimmy version. May God, who is the author of your confident expectation for good, Fill you with gladness and quiet rest as your faith is in him so you can super exceed in hope through the ability of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna read it one more time. 
May God, who is the author, he's the author of our confident expectation, is he not? Who is the author of our confident expectation for good, fill you with gladness and quiet rest as your faith is in him so you can exceed in hope through the ability of the Holy Spirit. I got hope because of who dwells within me. You see, the winds may howl, but you are a tent of hope. The, the winds may howl, and the, the, the waves may rise, but you are a tent of hope. The world is raging, but you're a tent of hope. I don't just live in hope. You don't just live in hope. You are hope. Because the Spirit of God lives in you. That which dwells in the house defines the house. That which abides inside the tent defines the tent. The Holy Spirit abides in you. You're a house of joy. You're a house of gladness. You're a house of hope. In this day of uh, an hour of shifting tides, you're still a tent of hope. You're a tent of hope because in this presence, in your presence is his presence on a daily basis. For what God is, you are. If God, the Bible tells us what? God is love. How many know if God is love, we are love? In this hour, saints of God, believers of God, Holy Spirit dwelled believers. You live in a tent in this world. But just as David said, I pitch my tent in the expectation of good. I pitch my tent in hope. That's what we do, but that's who you are. That's who I am. People need to know the hope that lives within you. We're going to sing a song. Lindsay's going to come and close us in a song. And I was, I was, she had asked me earlier, what song did I want to sing a closing today? And I, and I thought of this song that my grandkids sing all the time. Blesses my heart. We're going through Sam's Club one day, and they're just singing it. I got two of them in a cart. We're going, we're, we're going for rice, all right? And we were going for rice, and, and they're in there, and, and they're singing a song. And they're singing that song, 10,000 Reasons. And they, they know it so well. And they're just singing. And we're going through Sam's Club. And I'm being blessed because of how well they knew it. And they were singing it. You know, let me pull up some lyrics. Can, we pull up some, can you pull up some lyrics for me? Let's read some of these lyrics before we sing it. It says, the sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. How many know his mercies are new every morning? I don't know that you, can, you can't see them on screen, but I, on, on the live stream, but I got them. It says, the sun comes up. It's a new day dawning. His mercies are new every morning. And he says, it's a time to sing your song again. Every waking hour of the day, I can sing his song. That my tongue becomes that instrument of praise. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Come on, I start in the morning with his tongue being an instrument of praise. I end the day with my tongue being an instrument of joy. And it says, and the reason is you're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing. I'm not going to sing about coronavirus. I know it's reality and I know it's real, but I know the goodness of my God and I'm going to sing about his goodness. I will keep on singing. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. You are a tent of hope. And I say to you this morning, believer, I say to you this morning, you might be watching this online. You may not be a believer. I want to make you a promise this morning. If you will allow God the seat of honor in your life, 
if you'll allow God the seat of honor in your life by saying that I believe that, that, that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And if you would look and you'd say, you know what, and I believe God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you'll be saved. And if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You see, and when you're saved, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes in. And I say to you this morning, give him the seat of honor. Give him the seat of honor. And, and you won't have to worry about living in hope. You'll become hope. Hope will live in you. You will become a tent of hope by the Spirit of God who lives in you. We sing. We speak. The mouth utters a sound of joy because his presence is in my presence. Because he's at my right hand. Listen to me this morning. You say, I, 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 I don't feel him. It's not about feelings. It's about faith. And it's about a reality that he's there. Allow your heart, your heart to be fueled by his presence so that your heart fuels the rest of your being. It becomes a fountain. A critical heart becomes a critical person. A wounded heart becomes a wounded person. A wounded heart becomes critical and mean and bitter. But God, by his presence, wants to change your heart. And God, by his presence, wants to turn your heart into a fountain of gladness and your tongue into an instrument of exceeding joy. Man. And then the sound of your tent is one of hope and joy because his presence is in your presence. Come on. Wherever you are, online, in a car, in a room, couple people in this building this morning lift up your voice because you got 10,000 reasons to sing